James H. Duncan is the editor of Hobo Camp Review and the author of We Are All Terminal, But the Exit is Mine, Vacancy, and Beyond the Wounded Horizon, among other books of poetry and fiction. He is currently working on a new collection about his two hometowns, Albany and San Antonio. James has been back in the Capital Region for a few years after moving to Texas and spending time out west. In our conversation, we talk about Albany, coming back home after time away traveling, and growth as a writer of both poetry and prose. But first, we hear James read his poem, Albany, from the Year in Review show at the Linda on December 17th, 2021. Of my city, the worst I've ever said was, you are the grayest city in America, and you are where fun goes to die. Stranger after stranger would smirk and nod at my terrible jokes of home, and yet they knew nothing of you. I knew nothing of you, having left so young and spent so long taking and acquiring and stealing and cataloging memories and knowledge and mileage. And now I see with eyes renewed the green foliage billowing along the Hudson as blue tarpaulin skies range across the distant hills, the floodplains and tumbling kills named by Dutch tongues and indigenous translations, spawning colonies and crafters, Pillars and plowshares, steelworks and highways, bridges and theaters, thinkers and grifters, children and yard bulls, empty homes and barren fields, raised fists and rainbow crosswalks. Long nights and the faintest hints of dawn yet to rise, but striving and yearning, and I knew nothing of such inspirations, such visions, such Saturday nights and cemetery Wednesdays, and the long avenues of reckless rain that connect them. And nowadays, I might find myself with the book of Carl Sandburg beneath a tree in Washington Park and think, with dust on my shoe from one coast or another, that I have arrived full circle in this city with all its joy and loss and lapping waves and neon palace nights will be the end of me, the last yellow leaf falling from its final perch in the late October wind, reaching the ground, skittering, settling into the earth, so time and snow and age beyond age may take me wherever this spinning globe is heading next. Well, I, at the time I was reading a lot of um, poets that wrote about uh, cities that they lived in and cities that they loved, Carl Sandburg, um, William Carlos Williams. And I started to think a lot about Albany and how my opinion of Albany has changed a lot over the years. You know, when you're young, you just want to get out. Uh, Albany seems like a drab, boring place and people that like come through, I've heard comedians come in and say, oh, geez, this place is a dump. And it, it can seem like that um, anywhere, really, if you're only there for you know a short period of time or if you're dying to get out because you're 16. But having come back in my mid-30s and kind of rediscovering Albany and realizing I really didn't know it as well as I thought I did. And so you start discovering little things. You start going places you've never been in your own hometown, um, restaurants and bars you've never been to, driving down streets in the neighborhoods you've never been to, even though you've lived nearby, you know. Um, so between doing that and then reading a lot of poets who write about place, um, I started to think I should filter all my thoughts and feelings about my hometown and what I'm discovering about it. I asked James why he left and ultimately why he decided to come back to the capital region. As a young man, big fan of Jack Kerouac and the idea of just hitting the road. And so I eventually sold everything I had, threw everything else in the backseat of my car, and I headed west. And quickly ran out of money. So I showed up on my father's doorstep in Texas saying, hey, I live here now. And uh, surprise, surprise. And sort of used 
San Antonio is a launching point um, for a lot of other travels going out to California a few times, crisscrossing, crisscrossing the country a few times, uh, back to New York, back, uh, back to Texas, you know, the Midwest, uh, Colorado. So um, there was a lot of adventuring, a lot of exploring. I eventually made, made it to New York City working for an art magazine and I served my time. I did about five years in New York and one day I was just walking down the street and everything was just so loud and chaotic and I thought, that's it, I'm, I'm good. And um, moved back to Albany, slowed things down a little bit and it was the right pace and the right place at the right time. How does one's writing change when traveling? Yeah, my writing changed a lot uh, over the course of those years. Early on, it was a lot of, you know, you're a young person writing about yourself and your feelings and your thoughts and woe is me. And, and then isn't life grand? I'm out at a bar. Um, you know, my reading, uh, the poets that I read were, it was fairly narrow. Um, a lot of be poets, Bukowski, guys like that. And you start broadening out and, and going to new places. You start meeting new people and the perspective starts shifting from looking inward to looking outward. And when you're reading a lot of different voices and seeing a lot of different places and experiencing a lot of different things and you're looking outward more, you start trying to catalog what you're seeing and where you're going, what those places mean. And they mean different things when you're there and then when you leave, uh, that shifts and evolves too. So you have more to look back on. Uh, so the more I've gotten around town, um, I've uh, been able to reflect on that and kind of cipher what the different meanings have been over different periods of time. James goes on to explain how through all of his experiences in life, how he's grown as a writer. You don't want to go back to the well too many times. You don't want to, you know, tread that ground over and over and over. Um, and, you know, wrote my fair share of bar poems when I was a kid. And, uh, um, but yeah, I think coming home and taking that time to kind of explore and seeing this place and being at a different place in my life, um, valuing the details and the quiet moments a little bit more. And so there was a conscious shift to get away from things I wrote when I was young, but there was also an unconscious focus on, um, you know, as someone who's you know, nearing 40 and now zooming past 40, hmm. um, you know, something as simple as walking down the street by yourself on a Tuesday evening and, you know, the, the lights and all the storefronts are coming on and the street lights all come on at once and the sun hasn't quite disappeared from the horizon yet. And little moments like that that might seem quiet and isolated have as much to explore and as much to say and have as many exciting little details, I think is like um, very rowdy bar scene from you know when you're 23 or something in New York City. And so some of it was natural, just what I was seeing and what I was feeling and thinking and where I was, but um, there's definitely a sense of what else. Um, I remember getting a piece of writing advice of, you know, when you, we all have these stories that we tell friends or when we're around, you know, in gatherings and, you know, you're telling that, oh, tell us about the time that thing happened and you're telling the story, <laughs> but you've told it 50 times, you told it a hundred times, but if you're going to sit down and write a poem about it someday or a memory that you've had, um, you know, what what's the one detail you've never told in that story? What's the one scent or one sound that has always been there, but you've never like vocalized. And that's something that when I'm walking around Albany um, or San Antonio for that matter, um, 
you know, this might be a street I've walked down a hundred times, but what store have I never looked in? You know, what side street have I never taken? And what else is there beyond just what we pass by a million times and never really you know, take a close look at? So it's kind of a balance between, you know, I'm naturally older in a different place, but also I want to take the time to see what else is here and really mine that for, uh, for good poetry. As I've asked most of the poets in this series of conversations, can poetry still be a catalyst for social change? Every now and then there's a moment where like poetry really kind of stands out and comes to the forefront, whether it's an inauguration and there's a poet up on stage reading something and everyone's watching. And, and um, I think people are aware, are aware that there are poets out there and that we're, we're doing this work. And for a lot of their lives, they, they'll ignore it, but every now and then it comes into their life at very important moments, um, whether it's a big grand thing like um, the, the changing of power in a country or very personal moments when um, someone is at a funeral or a wedding and somebody reads a poem. Um, it's always present and it's always there and it always seems to crop up at the most important moments. And I think if we just wait for those important moments and then write something about it, then we're missing the boat and our continual writing and, and observing the world and sharing those works, um, we're kind of laying the groundwork for what might come next. Um, those moments when everybody stops and goes, oh, what's, what's happening? Let's, let's take a look. And like, well, the poets have already written about it, like, guarantee whatever it is, we're, we've been there. And so that work that we do is, is always gonna be there even if people aren't looking for it all the time. They will eventually. Um, it always comes around. While James continues to travel, he visits and reviews independent bookstores across the country for his blog, The Bookshop Hunter. You can find this and more information on his books at jameshduncan.com. For Hudson Mohawk Magazine, I'm Tom Francis.